You are listening to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week, our team at Wakarusa Missionary Church invites you to join us for a conversation around the topics that shape our lives at home and beyond. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC, season two, episode 11, continuing on the second installment of Jesus Went. Yes. Did that did that sound like a movie trailer? That's what I, I actually thought it almost sounded like you're getting ready to say Jesus wept. Jesus. Well, he went and then he wept. <laughs> well, and <laughs> I have to I have to um, praise our fearless leader because he even took it up a notch this week. Took it up a notch. He did. Threw up a QR code on the screen. <laughs> That's right, you did. And had everybody taking pictures, wondering why doesn't it bare, show up? Bare minimum, people took pictures of the QR code. We don't know what don't happened. Know. <laughs> After I that. wish you could have seen it from my perspective. All <laughs> these phones just get whipped out at one time. Yes. So if you have any um, nice comments, you can e- That's right. email That's Chris right. Knight. You should email Chris and say, thank you for the QR code. Uh, way to take a step out. Uh, we, and we'll talk about that at the end of the show, um, What we're just as a reminder what we're hoping to do with that QR code because we are. it's really a conversation about making resources available to you that are following up with our sermon content. So Chris, as always – Set us up for this episode, talking about Jesus went to the outsiders. Absolutely. A sermon two in this series, Jesus went. And uh, last week we started with the desert. This week, taking a look at some of the places he went, and that was to the outsiders. You know, Jesus went to a lot of different outsiders. If you look through the New Testament, look through the gospel stories, you see him going to tax collectors. But it wasn't just Zacchaeus that he went to. Matthew, that whole story, when he kicked off with uh, starting to uh, ask the followers, the disciples to follow him, uh, Jesus went to a lot of places, places where there were folks who were unclean, and and uh, the religious leaders, Pharisees of the day, were like, how can you go to these types of places? Jesus's ministry, if you ask me, was uh, indicative of where he went. I mean, it, it shows exactly where he went. His mission was to to where people were lost. And so he says at the end of this uh, uh, section of Scripture that he was out there to seek and save that which was lost. And I think uh, the story that we're getting into today of Zacchaeus is uh, very, very much a story that points to the fact that Jesus went to outsiders. He was allowing himself to be interrupted. Yeah. Yeah. We're, so in Luke 19, that's where we see the story of Zacchaeus. I, we, were, we obviously were joking beforehand the show, like, we all know the song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he mm. uh which <laughs> chris <laughs> i won't say i don't know if you made the mistake i, don't I know, did is that right you made the mistake of asking if people knew the song and they broke out they in, sang in full song it, it was, was like a, a choir. chorus it was yeah we heard different parts like i heard uh four-part harmony uh to <laughs> zacchaeus and i didn't even realize you could do that in four-part <laughs> so so walking mc uh way to very, bring it. a very impressive rendition of Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Um, so, Chris, what are the things like when we talk about Zacchaeus? I think you outlined um, the things that are unique about him. I mean, obviously, his stature was one thing. Uh, that's that's what gets focused on, uh, you know, at the beginning of the song, apparently. But uh, he was a wee little. Lad. He was a wee 
Oh, I wonder how old man. he was. You know, he if he was a tax collector, he wasn't just this young right. lad. He probably was in his uh, later years. Well, and, and it says that he wasn't just a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector, yep. which so he's he's worked he had, had some eligibility yeah. there. That he's worked his way up. Established. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought it was really interesting when I was looking just uh, at a study note, and it said Zacchaeus's name translated is translated clean or pure. Interesting. Which seems very contradictory to how he started, what he was like before he had an encounter with Jesus. Uh, Zacchaeus would have been a guy who would have skimmed off the top. He would have taken advantage of the Israeli people, the Jewish people, and uh, taken more than was due in order to line his pockets. That was just kind of what was normal about tax collectors back in those days. Then they would send money off to Rome. So Rome loved him, the Jewish people did not like him. Yes. So he wants to have this encounter with Jesus. You know, when we're looking through, when I see these these 10 or so verses, I think it naturally breaks out. I think you can take verses 1 through 4 and show that there was this seeking sinner. I think you see a, a seeking Jesus there in verse 5, and then I think you see a story, salvation. Zacchaeus was searching. And and I think it's really fascinating that he was searching. He was either he either heard a lot about Jesus, uh, he was intrigued by the crowd. He wanted to get a glimpse of Jesus. But when we, as we talked about on Sunday, I think it's interesting. Picture the parade routes, and here's this guy of shorter stature. We'll call him vertically challenged, and uh, <laughs> probably needed to find a little break in the line in the crowd, but. I don't get the I don't get the picture that people were willing to let him in. Say, hey, Zachy, step on in here. I'll look over top of you. Kind of as a outcast already within his people, because not all tax collectors were a Roman um, person. They were actually Jews that right. have kind of like converted over to whether it was serving the Roman Empire, or however the tax um, was coming. But how would you know the religious people? Those Pharisees, Sadducees, they looked at Zacchaeus as kind of this person that you don't associate with, you don't talk to, you don't run into, you don't just say hi in the grocery store and um, strike up a conversation. You kind of like turn and say, I didn't see him, you know, almost that avoidance Mm -hmm. of him. And that's what he was. And it says here, and I love what you said in these notes, um, picture Zacchaeus, a tax collector, being linked with People that we wouldn't even talk to, murderers, adulterers, robbers, and other sinners. That's pretty harsh, Chris. Yeah. He, I mean, he made, a, he made a deal with the devil, basically, is, is the way that they see it. So before we push record, or at least before I think we push record, <laughs> I don't know when, when you actually push you never record know. today. You never know. Uh, we were talking about the show The Chosen. Yes. Uh, I think they do a great job at depicting what Matthew would have been like and how he's just trying to walk to the other side of the town and how he was trying to be hidden in the back of a wagon and people were just mistreating him. And I can only imagine what Zacchaeus went through. Yeah, I um, found out last week that it got moved to Amazon Prime. So that is now our, on our watch list because nice. during this time, it just gives you a picture of Jesus in a real, like, earthly sense that sometimes we kind of set over here and we detach ourselves a little bit from these stories and it just makes it hit home. And you're like, these people, they were kind of outsiders. People didn't yeah. really talk to people like this. I think I think one way that this picture gets painted very well on their image of of what a tax collector was like 
when I was studying, I looked back at the beginning of Luke when he called Matthew, called Levi. And uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 30 says, this is the New Living Translation, the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Scum. I mean, that... In the day and age we live in, if our kids were calling some kid on the playground scum, we would have been, hey, hey hang on a second. Hey, listen, we, we don't talk about people like that, right? But this is how this is how people were referring to him. And Jesus went to him, and his curiosity was piqued about who this guy Jesus was, and Jesus uh, was available. That's the, I think what you said too, like he was able to be interrupted. And I really like that because Jesus doesn't always present himself like, well, this guy who doesn't have like a mission and a, and a schedule, but he just allowed himself to be interrupted by people. Yeah. So much of his ministry, and this is something I think that is telling yes. Yes. There are times, formal times particularly when he's entering the synagogues where he's kind of delivering the formal message or opening the scroll and then dropping the, you know, the prophetic bomb of, you know, these words have been fulfilled in your hearing today and things like that. Sort of more planned out times. So much of what he does, and this is what the disciples are learning, is on the, quote unquote, on the fly. It's this, it's this, this walking ministry that he, that he has it's kind of setting, and I think setting a good example for us, like um, in the course of your day, be aware of other people. And in the course of your day, um, find ways to share good news with them. And so it isn't, you know, it's like, he, you know, again, he's God, right? But it's like, it's not like there was this, um, this scheduled, formal scheduled event with Zacchaeus. Instead, instead it was, some guy, uh, which in the ancient Near East, you know, Chris pointed out, who's who's really kind of making a fool of himself by by running up ahead and, and shimmying up a tree to see you know to see Jesus. Uh, that's like not a that's not a dignified thing to do. Nor is the especially for, for the the role that he the role that he held. So that's like a that's like a significant thing, um, and I think indicates where his heart is at, which seems to which seems to be also indicated by how Jesus interacts with him. Like, hey, I need because of where you are, where your heart is and where your where you are in your journey, like I need to come to your house today. Like th- this is which yeah. would have been scandalous. I mean, if you, again, all these people watching this and clearly there's enough people there on that in on the scene where Zacchaeus was not able to get a good look at Jesus. So like this is happening in a very public a public setting too, which is interesting. So I picture the crowd being fired up. Jesus, here he comes. Oh, I can see him coming down the road. This is exciting. It's like a big time parade in downtown Wakarusa at the Maple Syrup Festival. Perfect. And people are fired <laughs> up. The tractors, I see them. They're coming. They're cresting over the hill. It's time. The parade is starting and people are fired up. Here comes Jesus. Jesus is walking in. The crowd's at, uh, at its peak. And here's Zacchaeus in a tree, really just catching a glimpse. Right, but Jesus knows notices him, and I think that's really fascinating. Jesus notices him, so we were chatting about it, and and we talked about it a little bit on on Sunday. You know, if you look at famous people today, they act like they don't really see the crowd, or they might mm-hmm. stick out their hand and just you know casually like fist bump somebody walking by, but they could 
frankly, they could care less. Actually, I think they're actually living in the moment. Like there's some, there's some pride about it. Like I am pretty awesome. You know? Yeah. You're here to see me and that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, Jesus takes time to notice Zacchaeus is up in a tree and he calls him by name. What do you, what would y'all feel like? You're in the tree. Uh, and and I'd be, Jesus I'd, says, I'd be like, Oh no. <laughs> yeah, Jesus says, Hey, Joel, and you'll be like, Oh, oh boy. Snap. Oh boy. <laughs> right. Well, he, oh, was, he even I, knows my name. Yeah. I don't know. I like maybe from my perspective, I might be a little like surprised and anticipatory of what he's going to say to me because I've already ran and I'm not supposed to run in this culture. I've already climbed a tree, so I've already disgraced myself. And then, is this all going to pay off? Oh my word, yeah. he's talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> or, or as Chris alluded to, I mean, when you set the scene, and I thought about, I like, it kind of drove it home for me. Or does he think, and does the crowd think yeah. that Jesus is about ready to give him a tongue lashing? Yeah. yeah. For being a tax collector, for being a traitor to the to the Jewish people, for being. Dishon. I mean, yeah. so many things. It, it, mm-hmm. It's like I, Jesus could be a grab bag, a pick his level of the thing that he wants to go after, after Zacchaeus. I kind of picture it like that. Like the crowd's first initial response is not like jealousy. I think it's probably a, <laughs> yeah, he's going to get him some game on. Yeah. yeah, like a little bit of revenge here for what he's put us through. Yeah, see, Jesus is even calling you out. He he's even heard about you, Zacchaeus. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. The, yeah, the the, the justified. And this is what, and this is true. I mean, it's, I think it's true in the story. We can see it in the story that we're, and we are sort of imparting, knowing what we know culturally, we're imparting some of this understanding. But it's like, you know, so many times, uh, Jesus, in, in the life of a Jesus follower, you're, um, you're, I think, routinely challenged when you are, when you think you're entitled to seeing someone get what they deserve. And Jesus routinely messes with that entitlement because because ultimately it's like, okay, what good does it do if Zacchaeus just gets a good tongue lashing, gets reamed, reamed out, chewed out in front of these people? So Jesus gives them what they're, what the, you know, what they're asking for, um, and yet Zacchaeus isn't redeemed. You know, Zacchaeus is still in his sin. And all the people do, and all the Sadducees do, and all the or the, or the Pharisees, uh, all they do is just are affirmed in their in their judgment of him, right? So it's like I just Jesus so, just doesn't care. Doesn't it give them? <laughs> doesn't it give them liberty to continue to treat him and right? with the disrespect because they feel justified, right? But then Jesus does what nobody's expecting. Yeah, he calls him down, and then he says, "Hey." Yeah. Let's go have some dinner. Let's Come go down. to your house. I'm, I'm inviting myself over. Come on over. I'm, let's have dinner. And I think that just shocks people uh, because, it, you know, it says in different parts of Scripture, you don't go to a house of a sinner to eat. That'd be undignified. That'd be just not culturally correct in that day and age. I'm coming to your house. You know, I, I think that it's really interesting to me. Uh, sometimes I think we blow through stories like this. Notice that Zacchaeus's response. I think that's what stood out to me this time preaching through this this uh, sermon. Zacchaeus didn't come down out of the tree, and it doesn't say he was afraid. It doesn't say he was nervous, uh, timid, saying, Jesus, why do you want to go to my house? Uh, I would rather, if you're going to do something, do something here publicly to me. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want, I don't know if I want you to come to my house. 
but it says he came down excited, filled with joy. I think that's quite a picture. He had a kind of a gratitude already in his heart that he was called out of the trees, like, let's go. I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. And that is, that's so much of what Jesus desires that we seek him out. He will, he, he's always going to call us, but he wants us to seek him with that same desire. He desires us, but to have that desire, I get it. Like you think, Oh, I'm a little scared. I have a little bit of fear. Why is this, you know, rabbi calling me down? And instead he's like, yes, let's go. Let's have a party. I kind of see it like almost like a childlike faith that a little child would have and just such as excitement. Yeah. He's having an encounter with Jesus. He's excited. I love the contrast, uh, contrasting image, though, the very next verse. The people's response was quite different. Uh, I, the New Living Translation, uh, I said it on Sunday. Uh, it's one of my new favorite words, grumbled. Grumbled. Uh, the people grumbled. When you guys think of grumbling, what do you think of? You do it with your arms crossed, number one. Uh, furrow, a furrowed brow. And uh, it's, a, it's like that old... Um, Oh gosh, it's a Hanna Barbera cartoon, and I'm going to forget what character. It's a dog where he's like, rawr, 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 like, like Scooby Doo, not Scooby Doo, <laughs> not Scooby Doo at all. He's but he's always like, it's like this under the breath, frustration, contempt, you know, kind of thing, judgment, but, but not I, pleasant mm-hmm. at all. I was just reading the Bible back in the day. I wasn't watching cartoons. Gotcha. That, that kept me mindlessly so, distracted. So spiritual. Well, uh, but. Even in mine, in I'm in New Living, it says grumble, but it also says displeased. So that's another w- uh, word they use in the um, scriptures. So they had to have a little bit of contempt here. Like they had to look outwardly like, Jesus, what are you doing? Yeah. And he was going to defy them all. Leave it to grumbling people to be upset about a good thing happening to someone. <laughs> Why do we grumble? I mean, it, I, 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 uh, I got to be careful because... I tend to catch how everybody else grumbles. Look, apparently, Shauna's let me know that I kind of grumble sometimes, too. <laughs> Why do we grumble? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. When something, like you said, when something good happens to somebody else, why why can't we celebrate that with them? Yep. As a default. Right. And and it seems to me that the, that if Jesus has indeed changed our hearts, then the natural inclination is we celebrate with those who are celebrating. Whenever anything good or a blessing or anything like that comes to a person, we rejoice. We would rejoice with them. Um, however, it seems to me that these, these folks are held back. They're held back by some a box that they've put God in, a box that they've put religion in, how, how they think that this whole thing should function. And when it doesn't function their way, that... It's either you know, and again, I'm it's I'm projecting onto the crowd. Who knows? But it's kind of like uh, there's there's a loss of control. There's a loss of like Jesus is not operating in the system in which we we would prefer that he operate, and therefore I'm upset. Well, isn't isn't the very nature of grumbling me centered? Um, yeah. It's because something isn't happening that I want, or it's it's something that's an offense to me. That and, I don't like. Yeah, and and yet the whole nature of committing our lives to following Jesus is, well, he's transformed my life, and yet we're still living that me-centered battle. Well, and I think we have to admit that the jealousy, well, why didn't Jesus call me out? I was standing here. 
You know, why do you call Zacchaeus? You pointed that out. You know, oftentimes we're a little better than the sinner. Come on, Jesus, why didn't you call my name? You called Zacchaeus. I'm standing right here. But Zacchaeus had the um, was was called out, and he had really an instant change of heart when when he called his name. I am so I am so challenged by the words of Jesus, like when when Zacchaeus basically says to Jesus, like, "Okay, anything that I have done wrong, um." I'm going to make it right, and that's to the tune of paying back, you know, multiple times what I, if I've taken anything unfairly, I'm going to pay it back fourfold, you know, all of this stuff. And then Jesus' response to him, uh, when he when he say that when he says salvation was in verse nine, right? Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. First of all, even more, even more scandalous, right? The like he's directly, he's like you are a you are a true Israelite, um, but that there was a salvific uh, connection there that 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 in in that interaction between Jesus, because because uh, I'll just say this: I don't see Zacchaeus praying the sinner's prayer here. There's something, something which again, zero problems with the sinner's prayer, but like, there is something, there is something that's indicating that he is giving his heart over to Jesus, that he is allowing Jesus to do what only Jesus can do in his life. And on top of that, there's this other thing that Jesus says: He goes, "Salvation has come to this house today." Uh, by the way, there's a full family implication to all of this. That there is by Zacchaeus's admission, and by his interaction with Jesus, it's actually also affecting. There's a generational effect there as well, which would be, I have to imagine, knowing what I know about you know ancient Eastern culture. If I just have to imagine, if your dad's a tax collector, then your childhood is probably not super great. And I and like and unless you go like if unless you're going to the if you're going into the family business, you know. Like you've got some generations of uh, let's just call some communal shame coming your coming your way, right? So it just seems, and I'm curious about this, I guess, to a certain degree. Like it's not; ju- it wasn't even just about Zacchaeus. Like the, like other things possible when Jesus says, "Man, salvation has come to this house today." Like your home, your people. Um, man, what what could that you know? What could that mean? And it's and it's all just started with some short guy climbing up a tree, wanting to see Jesus. You know, right? I, and I, I guess I'm thinking on, on a, just a tad different level here that sometimes we get so wrapped up in our religious um, ideas, even our religious things that we do, just the rhythms of life that Zacchaeus here. He was brought about by a, a, like a pure curiosity of who Jesus was, and he brought himself up. And we have to note that he probably, even though he was raised in a, in a tax collector's home, he probably didn't have all these rules and regulations and understood of what laws were and what laws weren't, you know, as a Christian. And he came and Jesus just met him where he's at. And I think that concept is what just permeates the story of being where Jesus goes, 
he will come to you and where yeah. you're at. It's a perfect picture. Don't Jesus isn't saying clean yourself up. No. And then when you get your act together and after you've done all your repayment, then I'm going to come over to your house because you're clean. Yep. Oh. Yep, it's uh yeah. Again, like, and you know, we we've all been in Christian community for a long time, and I think this is one of our biggest challenges: is to we are so easily offended, we we are so easily turned off by by others who who don't, you know, they have different different value structure, they have different belief systems, if they have a belief system at all, and we see those things as 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 making them further from us like the, like the, that's a that's a bound that's a boundary from us that we that we can't cross and what i'm convicted by is that jesus just all he did is ever saw those things as an opportunity it was it was it was just those were clear those were clear ways or entry points for him to enter into a person's life and I just I wish I was more like that. Like like when it comes to my own discipleship and my own life with Jesus, it's like I just wish that when you encounter someone where you're like, "Ugh, that's rough." You your <laughs> your next thought could be, "This is an opp- this is an opportunity," as opposed to, "I'm uncomfortable and uh I'm going to go find more people like me to hang out with." Well, that's the whole deal. <laughs> like most of the time, the people we're with look kind of similar to yeah. us. Yep. We're a little uncomfortable with those people who have a little bit different way of life, different choices, maybe look different, maybe smell a little different. And yep. my husband might be one of those people that sometimes <laughs> smell a little different That's on the farm. But it's joke. true. It's, Sorry, Dan. Sorry, yeah. Dan. <laughs> but it's true. And I think so often, you know, we think that when we say love our neighbor, it's somebody that we're already friends with or that look like us. And how many times has you know this been said before that different is often good and mm. Jesus brings in those people that don't look like what we expect don't have what they like they don't have anything to offer and i love these things that you pointed out chris so what does jesus do you said some hard little statements on sunday that i think we all need to kind of rest in and think about when we meet people. You said one, Jesus seeks them. We go after the people that are that are different. But Jesus brought outsiders in. But this one kind of hit all of us. Why don't you read it, Chris? Yeah, when we no longer have interest in reaching the outsiders, we might have become one. Uh, I think we got so comfortable. Uh, this one just stands out to me. I almost get to the feeling like we have forgotten Jesus was about the ministry to people who didn't look always like him. Uh, I brought up the fact that Jesus, I mean, you go in our day and, and you see doctors hanging out with sick people. Why are followers of Jesus not hanging out with sick people, spiritually sick people? Uh, I, I just feel like we've gotten to the point in culture where we, we want to shelter ourselves so much from anything that looks like uh, the outside world that we forget we're called to them. We're offended by the world instead of uh, having compassion on them like Jesus did. And then I think you pointed out something which I believe as one of the biggest evangelism tools that we have. Yeah, this doesn't originate with me. I've heard this over the years a lot. The best evangelism tool is your kitchen table, and that's just living in relationship. Who do you know? Invite them over. You know, more, more people will come to our kitchen table than they will come to our churches. 
And so I think it's just important to remember. We feel like, well, if I bring my my friend to church, the pastor is going to get them saved. And the reality is you are the best link. The listener here, you are the best link to your friends. Um, we'll play a role. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I, I, I would love to tell more and more people about Jesus, but you're the best link to them. Yeah, we've uh, here as a community, and I know I know other other faith communities are this way too, and have this value. Like small group community, intentional communities, meeting in homes, making space for the person that is, you know, that is different in some way, in some way or another. Um, that is such a gift. That is that is such a gift that you can offer somebody, and it's a, it can be a really really safe place for people. And uh, the, that's why we want to have we want to have more of those kind of uh, those kind of places. Um, yeah, because when we're just when we're just relying on, I mean, we joke about around here like when we're just relying on quote unquote professional Christians to uh, you know to share good news with with people. Um, that's a real kind of evangelism bottleneck, so to speak. Uh, God has gifted each and every one of you to share your story with people, to share good news with people. Um, that doesn't. That doesn't. If you're if you're a follower of Jesus, you have all of the credentials you need uh, to have that conversation and to be uh, to be that that kind of inviting person and. That that was just something like I uh, in hearing this message, uh, it's something that I, yeah, I just thought of because you because Chris, you even asked. I mean, you asked some strategic questions about just like th- who who do you know, like who are the people in your in your in your circle? How can you how can you leverage? I think this is an okay term to use. Like how can you leverage this the social connections that you currently have for kingdom purpose. Yeah, absolutely. When was the last time you intentionally had people over to your house for dinner? What if you do that in the next period of time? Uh, who do you already know? Uh, frankly, name your top five people who don't know Jesus that you interact with. Reality is, I bet you that was a struggle uh, for for a number of us, because we pretty much hang out in a social circle that involves small group or Sunday school and events and programming, and we hang out with Christian friends, and that is our community, which is a great thing. The issue is, do we know people, and then we interact with people on a regular basis who don't know Jesus? Um, yeah, and so there were some challenges that were thrown out there at the end. Quite quite frankly, my I got a little feisty maybe on Sunday, uh, and and really called us to task— if we don't have a heart for outsiders, I'm not so sure that we haven't begun to embrace a Christianity that is not the Christianity that Jesus intended his followers to buy into. Yeah, and I think you used a couple Bob Goff um, quotes there. But I, I found this one by him, which I really like out of his book, which is Everybody Always. And he says, we'll never be like Jesus if it's more important for us to be like each other. And I and I think really in our day and age, how often do we seek our neighbor out? Because, you know, we've gotten, I mean, even front porch sitting has gone away. We have garage doors that go up and down and let us in and out of our houses. And so we really do not have to interact with people. We look at people from a distance. There you go. And it looks really far. And you're like, oh, that person... And you don't even know what's going on in their lives because we haven't made that effort to make that short little walk or even like 
a simple conversation starter. And so I only say that maybe there's somebody that you didn't even know that needs Jesus that lives next door to you. Yeah, get get out on that front porch, y'all. Well, you know, my my um, next door neighbor happens to be Tyler Gehrig, so yeah. our middle school pastor. But I tell he's, you this, he needs he he's, needs Jesus. He's needs. <laughs> <laughs> but I off. But I want to I want to point out those of us that walk through. This is my favorite place to be, and I know you guys don't go there very often because my husband doesn't go to the grocery store with me. I Chris, you do go with Shauna. I, I do, do know that. I'm personally hurt that she thinks we don't go to the grocery store. Okay, ouch. But it has it has been a fact that you can wait in the grocery store line for more than half an hour. I have timed it some yeah, days. Sure. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you guys all listening that go to the yep. grocery store know this. And how often do we just, what do we do? Pull out our phones, maybe yep. look around, maybe read the magazine on the side yep. that we you know, want to uh, catch up on an article or something instead of engage the person. Because everybody looks like the different way. You yep. know, they look, they look away. They don't. And I think our culture has been like, don't talk to me. Yep. And what if you what if you struck struck up a conversation with your neighbor in the grocery store line? There you go, easy. But I wouldn't know about all the recipes or what's happening in the royal family if I'm yeah. talking to other people. <laughs> yeah, or uh, or any UFO sighting for that matter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh gee. Uh, counting the number of gum variations. Yeah, that's that right. Like, so yeah. much, so much gum. I just but you're, think right. That you're right. I just don't you're think right. we take the the minutes of our days and look at the opportunities the way Jesus does. Instead, we grumble because there aren't more people in the checkout. Uh, Lane's helping us get out of this line. Because yeah, we got right. the next thing to do right. rather than feeling that we could be interrupted by a, a, yeah. a conversation that needs to happen for somebody. So, hey, if I could put the button on this, Please. this one. Jesus went to outsiders, and, and the reality is, so should we. Hey, friend, listen, if you're, if you're struggling in this area, I, I just challenge you, get outside your box. Go find people that need Jesus. He called us to mission. Jesus came, and it said it in verse 10. He came with a mission to seek and save that which was lost. He's called us to that. And Matthew chapter 28 gave us a great commission, go into all the world and uh, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey. We can't just do that from a distance. We need to live in relationship. God's called us to live in relationship. If we don't care about the outsiders, then I question the Christianity that we've bought into as to not be the authentic method that Jesus had asked us to be a part of. Yeah, and I think there's I I think there's just a there's a renaissance that needs to happen amongst our our, our Christian community in this way. I cuz I don't know what simpler conclusion that we can come to other than we're supposed to be a people on mission with good news. Like I, I don't like why are we here? Like why just to take up space and to 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 you know to breathe is not is not the uh the point. Um I like these words uh in the conclusion um as we kind of close out here today. Uh for God so loved the world, not just a few, the wise, the great, the noble, and the true. No matter their class or rank or hue, God so loved the world, do you. And I think uh that's that's it right there. Um all people. And uh, so may we be those kind of people. May that be your heart. Uh, if, if you're feeling a little, a little bit like this is, ugh, you know, this, this hurts my heart a little bit. That might be uh, the word you need to hear. That might be uh, the very spirit of God working. And so 
Uh, would love to continue the conversation with you. Uh, would love to, uh, in any way that we can come alongside you to encourage you to this degree, uh, resource you. We want to do that. So uh, our our phone lines, our emails, our text messages, they are open always. Uh, open always. So, friends, thanks for uh, joining us on another episode. Look forward to uh, continuing on uh, in this series. Uh, let me see here. we got this coming Sunday uh talking about Jesus going to the the crowds, which interests some interesting things there too. So looking forward to sharing that with you next week. We also will be releasing uh, next week, beginning of the week, um, a, uh, a bonus episode actually with that's with, that'll be with uh, Jay and Beth Shetler. And so uh, look forward to all of you uh, listening in on that. Would love to hear your feedback as always. It's good. If you share, if you like, if you subscribe, do all those things. So, Chris and Angie, thanks for uh, hanging out here today. Good to see you all. Thank you, Joel. It's <laughs> Thank good, you, Joel. It's good to be here. Thank you, listener, for being so with good. us today. They thought they were. They thought they were off the hook. Uh, hey, well, until next time, everyone. We wish you grace and peace. At home, the podcast is produced by Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting walkiemc.org. That's W-A-K-Y-M-C.org. From there, you can click on the At Home tab for more information. Thanks for listening.